0: Hello, happy people and welcome to Office ADHD. Welcome to Office ADHD. Today, I get to introduce you to one of my most favorite people ever, Doug Richens. Doug is a professional master coach of all kinds. He's like a life coach, ADHD coach, basically if you need a coach. He's there. Well, maybe not a sports coach. I, I don't know about that.
1: Um, yeah, I fall but, short in that category.
0: But all things that you need in your life. He's actually the very first person to really coach me on how to use my ADHD skills. Back when I was in college and I first got diagnosed, I didn't know what was going on. He was there and helped me get stepped in the right direction. Yeah. So thank you so much, Doug, for coming on the show today.
1: You're welcome. It's fun to connect.
0: Yeah, it is. And so Doug is also part of our adult ADHD tribe. Can you tell us a little bit about your journey, kind of getting diagnosed? And I, I know you helped out a lot of other students, even when you were in college.
1: Yeah. Yeah. It was, uh, um, we'll go back in time here, back <laughs> to when TV was black and white. No, it's not <laughs> you know, growing up, ADHD was just emerging. And in the circles of my family, um, we, we didn't have this language. We didn't have the understanding. so the, the little kid growing up years, when I back when I was Dougie, um, it was uh, it was a lot of confusion. Um, I had a race car brain, I had a temper, and I, you know, we, we, they had the overlay of parenting skills, but there wasn't this understanding about ADD. It wasn't talked about. So that was really hard. Uh, The big breakthrough for me, I think, was college. Um, I had married my sweetheart. We were at Brigham Young University, Hawaii campus, and it was gorgeous and beautiful. And uh, it's a small university. It's a wonderful university. But the class sizes were small, and I was just, there were all these things. I was, like, happy, and I was finding I was more successful, and I was trying to figure out, like, what is going on here? Um, And I stumbled into the book by Ed Hallowell, Harvard MD, called Delivered from Distraction. And, oh, my gosh, I thought, as I read the book, I thought this guy had been following me around my whole life, (sighs) hiding behind bushes and documenting my story. It was it was scary and exciting that there was this whole category of science of understanding of terminology of skills of solutions ideas and it just was an explosion so i'm in the middle of my undergraduate degree i'm uh newly married uh, you know just at this season of change and i discovered this resource and from there i just embedded myself in the literature, in everything I I could get my hands on. And, you know, it was just finding answers, finding ways to navigate life. Um, So that was probably the biggest, the big breakthrough for sure. Um, As I moved into my career, it helped me make career decisions. You know, I knew I couldn't sit behind a desk and type all day. couldn't have been a a computer programmer like all these things i thought i'd be interested in um you know i was understanding my my brain and these realities and it was like why fight that so i made so selections and and moved in in a way that was really helpful um
0: i love that you talked about like they're like why fight it when you can just flow with it you know
1: yeah and, you know, over the years, having worked with hundreds of people, making this, you know, experiencing this great awareness, this great awakening to this. Um, for some people, it's, it shares my experience. It was exciting. It was like, mm-hmm. finally, like, here's some words, some, some help. For other people, it's quite a, an emotional experience. Um, there's, they feel regret, you know, there's, there's a sense of like, oh, if I had learned this earlier. And so there's some emotional things to work through um, often in this space. And then it's kind of down to business. How do we create an environment? How we design our world uh, to align with these realities? Mm-hmm. Uh, I got to tell you that the other big breakthrough, Jenna, yeah. and I don't, I think our paths had separated when this hit me, because when I, when you and I first connected back in your early college days, you know, I had this one layer of understanding and I was just happy to help and I was filled with energy and not all the information. Um, in 2015, I went to San Francisco with my wife for a few days and we visited the Amen Clinic, Dr. Amen. Yes and had the brain spec imaging scan and this this three days of just intensive um, psychological brain understanding experience and the spec imaging creates a 3d model of your brain wow totally different than an mri or any of those things and at the end you get this this colorful little model of your brain digital model that you can spin around and we gathered at the end of the three days with this panel of doctors and they explained all these things that they learned and what my brain type was because they were actually looking at the brain. I right? wow. see it.
0: Yeah. They're like, this is your actual brain, not like an, a supposed brain based on you answering questions or anything right. like that.
1: This is you. Totally different. And so as I looked at that and then they there's just part of this image it shows kind of my brain upside down as if you were looking at it from underneath and in the prefrontal cortex there are these these shapes they look like little holes it looked like you could slide a pencil through them and they said that is textbook ADD oh and this these guys have scanned tens of thousands of brains and and held up the lived experience with the images and they just know their stuff and i everything changed because no it was no longer a character flaw um everything frustrating about it was no longer a moral deficit it was the shape of the of the brain it and it just it was so empowering um And it was a uh, big, a big shift for me mentally, emotionally, um, to release some of the, the, you know, the common frustrations we all share. Yeah. But I was like, oh my gosh, it's just shape. And, you know, if I had a withered hand, well, I'd have to deal with life with a withered hand. It'd be the shape of the hand. It wouldn't be a character flaw. And, you know, oh my gosh. the other big thing that happened there is these, this panel of doctors are in front of us and Janine and I, my wife, were sitting there and they're, they're giving us the, the, re, the big report of this three days of intensive scrutiny. And they said, um, they said, told me, you know, this diagnosis and they showed me the brain images and they said, but we have a problem. We have some, a question, I guess. They said, when we see your brain type, we usually see someone who has had three marriages, 15 jobs, and their life has been riddled with addiction. Like, that's the common lived experience with the shape of the brain they were looking at. Oh. And then they said to me, they're like, you have been married to the same woman for, you know, at that point, I think we were 15, 16 years. Um, maybe we were coming to about 20 years by then. And then, um, You've worked for the same company. The only addiction I had was dark chocolate.
0: <laughs> well, know, and you can't blame someone for that. I know. I mean,
1: that's socially acceptable. And, <laughs> and these doctors are looking at me, like, what are you doing? I'm like, you know, I'm just trying to be a good guy. I'm still, I study, I love my job. I work and I, I do these things the best that I can. And, um, that was another big boost for me that yes, the shape of the brain lifted this out of the character flaw, but there was also a validation that the patterns in my life, the routines um, were helping. And I was, you know, beating the odds, I guess you'd say. So a couple big breakthroughs like that. And then a lot of, studying a lot of figuring that out and and here we are functioning and happy in life
0: (laughs) that's awesome well because like you said that's amazing because a big thing with the add is that the the shame the the feeling like we're never doing enough and that we're not enough and so that to just say oh well i guess i guess i am okay (laughs) you know
1: you know and it, it wasn't it wasn't like this throw my arms in the air and you know i won the the grand championship it was more <laughs> just a calm like all right I, you know i can improve there's more to do but like we're, we're doing good things this is working yeah. and now janine and i are coming up on 26 years and um still engaged in a beautiful work and the stability across my family and ad traits are well identified what I what I'm good at and what I'm not like I was joking with you earlier if it's some if there's a task to do that's not in my my strains I either assign it to staff or ignore it <laughs>
0: <laughs> all right
1: you know? that's
0: you know what I adore your wife by the way and I just I think that that's one of the things that it's like that's That's one of the things that's beautiful about being able to accept yourself is that then, you know, it helps you, you know, be a partner with somebody else to be able to say, you know what, these are, these are things that are about myself. I'm really great at these things. I'm really just not great at these other things. If we can support each other, that that would be great.
1: Yep. And, you know, there's, there's language around like skills and, you know, ways to, you know, na- navigate and build routines and all of that is important. But above that is the reality that you have to be a co-creator of the design of your life. And if you're in a relationship, you you have to co-create your environment so it works for both people. You have to mm-hmm. engineer parenting. You have to engineer and co-create um, your personal life, your intimacy, your everything you you do in a shared way. Our home, um, my, my wife was a minimalist before minimalism was a thing. (laughs) And we have a beautiful home and it's, it's, you know, decorated just with those few things that we love and there is no clutter. And that makes her happy and helps me survive. Yes. and so there's, a, there's a, a woman, good friend of mine named Kat Holmes, and she has worked for the biggest companies of the world, Microsoft and Google, and she's an expert on inclusion and integrated dev- design. And as I have become friends with her and learned from her, it's been fun to think in terms of, okay, we need to co-create a designed life. That fits mm. the needs of our bodies and brains, the needs of our children. And it's a real shift. And, yeah. and so we you know, we don't have to fight about stuff. We're just like, okay, this design isn't working. Let's we put it outside of our, or we remove it from us as a character flaw. And we just think about it as a functional workaround, right? And so it's, it's helped a lot. That's
0: great. I love that. And so now, because I know Doug so well, and I know that you are so incredibly knowledgeable in the ADHD world, I, I asked you before the interview, if you could help us unpack something that's, that's very difficult in a way for us to even talk about, just because it's one of the biggest weaknesses in, uh, that we feel in ADD is that rejection sensitivity or rejection sensitivity dysphoria. Mm-hmm. Um, could you help us kind of understand how do you see that in the ADHD world and
1: deal with it? So, yeah, I okay. So, yes, there's value in the term. Um, I think there's value in the concept more than the term. It's not an officially recognized diagnosis or even an official recognized uh, a trait, but it's a shared reality that mm-hmm. um, the impact of rejection inside of the, the typical ADD brain. Uh, seems to be much more emotional, highly sensitive. Um, and it's, you know, it's it's like feeling the different temperature. You know, let's say I have a high sensitivity to heat. And I, we walk outside and it's a beautiful 75-degree day. And you're just thrilled. You're so happy. It's 75 degrees. It's like perfect. We're out of winter. We're like, oh, this is so nice. And I have this high sensitivity to heat. I don't. Let's just, just imagine And I feel like it's 90 degrees and I'm like, oh my gosh, this is, I'm dying. I'm going inside. This is ridiculous. (laughs) Right. And you're looking at me Mm -hmm. like, what? And there's this, there's a sensitivity to this. And so the reality of, um, you know, losing a job or making a mistake or, you know, some other element of frustration. Someone else may like, uh, water, water off my back, whatever. Mm-hmm. move on." And, and so the realities of being feeling a sense of rejection, betrayal and having it have such a high impact is, is real. Here's the problem is that it can imitate a mood disorder
0: um. and if you're in a medical
1: you know diagnosis world. And someone is not looking at this through the lens of ADD, and they don't have the sensitivity to these realities of the ADD brain. And they're just looking at the behavior. It's really easy for a doctor, psychologist, whomever, to kind of swing this into the mood disorder category.
0: Oh, that's.
1: And so. And the prescriptions are going to, you know, provide or recommend and all this stuff. And all of a sudden you're pouring in all this stuff in your brain, which is just not at all needed. Huh. Does that make sense?
0: That totally makes sense. Because I know that ADD gets misdiagnosed as all sorts of things, but I wondered how it got misdiagnosed as a mood disorder. And now that totally makes sense.
1: Yeah. Yeah. (gasps) because they're coming in, they're sad, they're depressed, they're, you know, angry about some thing that transpired in their life. And, you know, it's not like anyone's trying to misdiagnose, but it's, a, it's an easy thing, because it really does imitate the mood disorder. And then you go downstream, and you go to a therapist, and they're gonna start to talk about emotional regulation. And emotional regulation is a very important part of coaching and training an adult with ADD. However, it's so different and so you're you know if, if you happen to land in a with a therapist that's unaware of these differences um and they're going to be talking to you about emotional regulation in in a way that you could never accomplish you know they're, they're, they're putting a bar at the wrong height <laughs> and you're not going to get over it but then you work with someone who gets it who's who's in it and and the development of emotional regulation skills Mm -hmm. inside of the ADD brain and model. So, so effective.
0: That totally makes sense. Well, and especially even going back to talking about, like you said, when you did your brain scan, there's just a different shape and it's like, yes, I want to regulate my emotions, but I have to do it in a way that makes sense for my brain type.
1: Yeah. And, you know, we, we understand that the comorbidity of a shared issues with ADD is really common, right?
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Uh, we're, there's a high propensity towards addiction. So then a close look at what you're bringing in in form of chemicals or behavioral uh, issues, right? And that, that has to be addressed in the ADD brain way. Um, being a highly sensitive person. Which is a beautiful thing, mm-hmm. moving forward in that, again, in context of the other reality of the ADD brain. So if they you know, yeah, rejection sensitivity is is a real thing, and as you seek support, you just gotta make sure you're you're working with someone that's going to take this into account and and you know as it really should be it's highly specialized for sure. And it's, I think it's a lot of mistakes get made there and people spend lots of money, lots of time. Then they break the code that this they're running down the wrong track. And then they're just more hurt and burnt out and tired. of And they turn to self soothing. They turn to chemicals. They turn to addiction. They ruin relationships and um, it's, it can be a pretty vicious cycle.
0: Yeah. Well, and we're just so prone to addiction anyway. Like, you know, how, if we start down a path that is addicting, we are more prone to develop an addiction anyway. Yeah. So,
1: you know, and it, it is, and we overreact.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: We overthink mm-hmm. over everything. Yes. And, and so awesome. Let's, let's overthink in terms of, um, fitness nutrition let's overthink in terms of education let's overthink in terms you know there's there's a way to channel it into our relationships into our career in a way that's just like unstoppable and it's just amazing
0: you know that's so cool and you said that i had not thought about that that was probably part of the reason that sometimes i'm just always like "Ooh, that would be a fun online degree that would be a fun online degree (laughs) (laughs)
1: are you are you a a degree shopper maybe Mm -hmm. (laughs)
0: and may have an unhealthy education addiction. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. <laughs> so, well, and but talking about some of this like with with some of this rejection things, we're we're all going to receive negative feedback and you know a lot of times we actually need it. What are some of your just kind of some of your early tips that you give some of your clients for, you know, accepting feedback or being able to to look at that?
1: So I think the first two or three that I'll throw out here uh, maybe are a little bit more common. The, the the last one is quite unique. So where we usually start off is, you know, feedback, feedback right? I mean, that's just the breakfast of champions, right? It's free mm-hmm. education. We have to frame <laughs> this up for what it really is. Um, and that's nice on the surface, but to do that, in a session, in a way that it really, there's a real breakthrough with it, is, is a beautiful and, and intense thing. I love taking them to the reality of hidden rules. Um, they get negative feedback. They get feedback from a, from a director or boss at work or something, and they're confused and they're hurt, and they're, you know, it's like, hang on. There are a lot of hidden rules to function in society which one are you not seeing? And we can externalize it, right? What's the hidden rule there? If you're 23 years old and you want to be a bank teller and you go in for an interview, right? There are rules, unwritten and hidden of of what they're kind of looking for. And, And if you show up outside of that behaviorally, um yeah you're not gonna get the job and that's that's that way across tons and tons of our life some of it's terrible some of it needs to change most of it is shameful and 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 ridiculous but they're there and so we can look at the issue in terms of what was the hidden rule that you missed
0: oh i love that and so the feedback is just telling you yeah. Okay. So it's telling you about a hidden rule that you just couldn't see because it wasn't posted anywhere.
1: Yeah. And sometimes the rule is about that person. Mm. It's not the society. It's not the work culture. It's not like this big overarching um, way the world works. Sometimes it's you know reading that one person and figuring out what's the rules that are important to them. And if you want to. Then you, then you know the rule, right? Then you can make a choice to, to tell them to jump in a lake and move on and not play that game. Or you can choose to adapt and recognize that there's value in that and it's the right thing and I get it now and on we go and we're fine. Wow, that's great. Love that. um, and then the last one is, is where it maybe swings a little bit more into my expertise. So I went back to Stanford and I spent a lot of time studying the neuroscience of compassion and the compassion focused work that I do. um, takes someone going through this kind of a, a, an experience and we, we activate compassion within ourselves for the realities that, that we're getting feedback on. And um, it turns down the heat. It turns off the anxiety. It, really hits the brakes on the overthinking and the rumination that can happen and you know it's this isn't like just oh go and meditate and think you feel great about yourself i mean this is this is really an understanding of what's happening chemically inside your brain and body that's creating these emotions and then we can manipulate change challenge those emotions through this, the neuroscience of compassion. It's beautiful, it's incredibly effective, and um, a lot of fun to watch people go, I mean, the jaw just hits the table. It's just like, oh my gosh, like, wow. Like, it's, it's, it's this whole other reality of how things are working inside of them, and it's a powerful tool to help them navigate, not just the issue at hand, but to navigate all these other kind of things that they're going through, so.
0: Okay, that is going to be something that I look up definitely after this. The neuroscience of compassion—that that's something I've never even thought about looking up before.
1: So, Stanford University, James Dowdy is the director, is chief surgeon, chief chief neurosurgeon at Stanford University, and they have a center. It's called C Care. C Care Center for the Compassion and Altruistic Research and Education.
0: That is amazing that they have a whole center for that. That's yes. awesome.
1: And it's collaborative across universities and, and medical work all around the world. It's, it's exciting. And it's a pathway, I think, um, to reframe uh, the anxieties and, and the depression. As, as clients come in, and they're experiencing these kinds of things, whether it's ADD or not um they've worked in cognitive behavior therapists they tried this they tried that and um as we do the compassion work the compassion focused coaching and work um huge progress it's just awesome works really well
0: that's awesome all right and just you know turn the conversation a little bit what what got you into coaching like what what excited you about the idea of coaching and being a coach
1: um well it's been integrated in what I've done from the beginning whether it was in the classroom um, the one-on-one with students for all those years the university years um, where you and I our paths crossed and um, in my work um, I ended up as the global administrator over disabilities for you know, this huge global education system. And there were 45,000 teachers around the world and I had the opportunity to go and teach and train them about the realities of what was coming into the classroom, whether it was a disability or it was a, an emotional issue or a loss in grief or, you know, all those difficulties in our lives. And as that comes into the classroom, how do we accommodate and adapt and have a great learning experience? Then I went up from there to the whole institution and worked across abuse and suicide prevention and mental illness and disabilities, incarceration, and on and on. Took me all over the world and it was a lot of fun. And everywhere I went, every coaching conversation started out on topic. Like we're here to talk about this issue. We get going and about, I don't know, at some point the conversation, it would swing and the, and the person I was talking to would be like, hey, you know what? My wife's struggling with this. Or my spouse, my son, whatever, or me, you know. And, and it was like, there we are. We're coaching. So I've been doing it all the way along. And then I got quite sick several years ago. I overdid it and had to take some time off from work to just breathe and rest and regroup. And that's when I decided that I would leave the corporate space of this work and engineer co-design with my wife and my team uh, a way to do this beautiful frontline work um independently and so that the preparation started then and eventually made the made the formal change and it's just out of control we love it
0: that's amazing and and i love how much you bring in the fact that you know it's it's a great thing it's a beautiful thing to have that help to be able to say you know what we're gonna like you said co-design this that you know you're not you don't have to do it alone yeah
1: yeah and it's it is an engineering and it's a discovery um i think my years in the corporate environment um one of the things that went really well was the I don't know, the cross-department collaboration, right? Making sure that all the teams were in alignment with what we were proposing and moving forward. And it was slow. It was hard. Now that is a very slim trim network, right? It's just a few of us. Me. But the yeah. spirit of like putting putting an idea on the table, you know, comparing it. It's just all that collaborative work still comes into play and it's just a little easier to pull the trigger now that it's just us, but.
0: I mm-hmm. um, leave it. And I know that you work with all sorts of clients, but what's something that you love about your ADD clients?
1: Oh my gosh. Um, they're my people, <laughs> right? Like I get it. Um, mm-hmm the pain, the frustration, the awakenings, the bright spots. Um, I've experienced it, and it's, so it's, it's, it's beautiful in that regard. I think it's helpful for adults with ADD to come in and to see, um, you know, my reality, my life, and then also to be able to see some possibility what they're doing that we can design and and live a very healthy happy life um the other big thing is what's toxic for us um that's a fun place to go Mm -hmm. Um, yeah netflix is great right and and it's we all want to every once in a while just binge watch something um but how does it affect the ADD brain? what When does it cross the line as, you know, turning the day off and becoming you know a, a, something that's toxic, right? And so we often we get into pornography issues, we get into, you know, compulsive behaviors, we get into food issues, we get into anger issues and um, you know, we and we just can look at it through the to- the level, the degree of toxicity that that's bringing into you versus with someone else. It separates this from it being a moral issue or a character flaw. And they begin to make better choices, and that is so fun to watch. Like that's amazing, right? And they're choosing to, you know, steer away from this or to. Integrate something new into their life that's not toxic, that's helpful, um, and then relationships get better. Big hugs from their partner, saying, "Oh my gosh, thank you." You know, those are sweet, sweet experiences. And and we laugh our way through it. A little, sometimes some tears, but usually we just smile our way through through the sessions. And um, I love it. It's all good.
0: Oh, that's great. That's amazing. And like you said, just being able to look at it and say, you know what? This is just, this is something that's to happened. This is the way, let's let's see if we can get out of the toxicity instead of, you know, seeing it as a shame, you know?
1: Right. And it's so easy to like, the AD brain can just slip into addiction. It's just like yes. a dental blanket, Like, right? It's a, It's just this place of self-soothing. Our sensory stuff is on overload. There's a lot of pain during the days, a lot of frustration. The peaks and the valleys hit hard. And, you know, the, that drive to go escape is mm-hmm. it's just there. And so, great. Let's engineer that. I'm going to take a nap every day at 2. I know exactly what I'm going to wear. You know, I'm not every day, but, like, like engineer yeah. your day so you can get that shutdown, that reset. Um, caffeine, pretty toxic for me. Not all yeah. ADD brains, but really, really hits hard. But an amino acid, kind of natural caffeine pre-workout kind of drink, just is smooth and doesn't give me the the heavy hit. So I found a solution there. So in the afternoon, I can I don't drink a, a caffeine drink. I'll drink this, you know, energy not energy drink, but kind of this pre-workout natural. Yeah. Supplement drink, and it's wonderful.
0: Yeah. Well, and like that's amazing. Well, yeah, because like you said, that's great. That's amazing. Cause like you said, use something. Say, yes, I need something here. What can I fill in? And instead of well, because besides the caffeine not necessarily being good for you, like the, you know, you're you're getting it through soda or something like that, you're getting all this other things. Why don't we replace it with something that is gonna still give you the benefit you're after? but not give you all these drawbacks
1: yeah yeah and you know here's another huge thing on this in my work i um had oversight regarding um work done in prisons um, faith ministry work done in prisons and i had i had the opportunity to travel i've been in well over a 100 prisons around the world from you know where I live here in Utah, through the United States, to youth detentional facilities in Brooklyn, federal max facilities in Georgia, um, prisons international Rwanda, all over the world. Wow. Everyone who's incarcerated has had trauma, has it has addictions. Like it's just it's just like the way the uh, you know it's just the path and as I've been able to give talks and speak, um, this is a soft place to begin to say, you know, what have you felt confused about the way the world works? I'm not diagnosing a whole room full of, you know, adults in custody and, but the skills, the realities of describing the ADD brain are also a, a very common experience for people, ADD or not. Um, and it, it's just been a huge source to draw on, to, to communicate some ways to, to improve your life for these individuals, men and women, who are incarcerated in their post-incarceration journey. Um, it's just really, really common. And so the trauma that you, an individual may have experienced in a childhood years or adolescent years when that trauma hits the ADD brain, that's a whole different ballgame. And there are some outstanding, phenomenal trauma specialists out there. I do trauma work, but I'm by no means level 10 full trauma (laughs) expert. But when they, Have this when when the expert has this sensitivity and are aware of the way that the uh, the ADD brain stores, processes, connects, or how those gestalts are formed. um, It unlocks a lot of solutions for trauma recovery, for addiction recovery. Changes the way that we we would approach the individual and their their realities. That is fun to watch, you know, and so someone will come in and the the trauma realities are beyond me and I know exactly where to send them and um, they reach a place of stability and kind of the right point. They can swing back through my my work and continue to progress. Um, That's another part of working with this this group that's just exciting to, to participate in.
0: That's amazing. Well, and that, that is a a really comforting thing to know too, to, you know, when you're looking for a coach or entering the coaching world to know that you guys know each other and that, you know, if there's something else specific somebody needs, you're like, you know what, I'm in the coaching world. I've got somebody that you can go work with them. If you get to a point where it's better to come back to me, that's great. But otherwise, let me, let me give you the person that specialized where you need it.
1: Yeah. Yeah, and that's what we worked really hard to put together with a clinical psychologists, trauma specialists, fitness, nutrition, marketing strategy, all these different expertise inside of our, our team. And so it's, um, because, you know, it's just ridiculous to think you can do it all and, and mm-hmm. be the one-stop shop and anyone that's selling themselves that way is misrepresenting on some level, I think, but, you know, We want to do what's right for individuals and if they can pass through and get, you know, on the right track into the right lane with the right people. Man, progress is just awesome. Just phenomenal.
0: That is always fun. That is the funnest thing is to see somebody go from one place to another and you're like, oh,
1: yes. (laughs) Yeah.
0: So one thing I like to offer all my guests is a chance to send a message out there because especially a lot of people listening, they may be new to ADHD, they may still be kind of struggling. What are some words of encouragement you'd like to send out to them?
1: Mm. (laughs) It's all good and be good. Um, (laughs) Just be sensitive in all things. Be sensitive. Mm
0: -hmm.
1: The... Uh, they need to be kind uh, sensitive to yourself sensitive to your partner sensitive to those who have to you know kind of pick up the pieces around your your life sometimes be appreciative be grateful um, I would uh, you know setting expectations in the ad world is, a, is an interesting thing um, we can kind of get a little manic sometimes and we can think we can take on the world I don't I I like to shift from setting expectations to setting appreciations and reach a place where we're really, we're striving to be fully appreciative of this reality in my life. And in the context of that, I'm going to make some, there's goals and I'm going to make improvements. I'm going to succeed. I'm going to be more successful in anything I'm doing. But the goal isn't to an expectation it's to a state of appreciation about some piece of your life um and it's it's a beautiful shift so i would just encourage people to be sensitive be kind to themselves and make those uh hire the right people surround yourself with the right design uh and and get yourself in a a state where you can thrive you know that's what it's all about so Is that helpful?
0: That is super helpful. That I love that. I love that idea of making a state of appreciation, your project. Cause like you said, we all love projects and, and we definitely do get into manic modes of, yeah, I can do that. And yeah, I can do that. And so (laughs) being able to change it into appreciating the things that are in our life and the people that are in our life and, you know, appreciating it, you know, as a project and being sensitive to what we're doing.
1: Yeah, And you know, if you, if you put your ADD brain, you look at form equals function and you remove it as a character flaw. And then you open up with your inner circle and you say, here are four or five corners of my life. I have a, a part of me that's about relationships. There's a part of me about intimacy. There's a part of me about work. There's a part of me about whatever. And you allow people to like, just kind of surrender, co-create, build that uh, that structure around your life, um, throw a lot of junk out, clean out your life. If you get stuck, work with people who help you get unstuck, that understand ADD, and then um you know you just kind of get into the group there's a um i was with a client a few months ago and we had done a three-hour kind of extensive breakthrough session with her and it was awesome it was so powerful there were just just a lot of things she needed to release and um she said the sweetest thing to me. We were, she was leaving and you know she just she won. I think you know she just wanted to say thank you but it came mm-hmm. out like this and she said what is it like to have your work be so perfectly aligned with who you are. And Jenna, oh. I'm telling you I just I teared up. It oh was, this thing is you know you, you you get in the thick of work and you're like yeah I, I like what I do, I'm built for this, I'm, it's all good. And to have that acknowledged, I was like, Wow, I reached a state of appreciation that uh that I was seeking for, not validation, no not validation, but really it's just like thank you. Wow, and it's just that's what I that's 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 what you're after, right? That's In your relationships in your professional life, your whatever, you get to a point where like someone would say to you, Hey, you are like perfectly built for what you're doing. Yes. Right. And the alignment's there. Um, that's possible. Just that's the work we do.
0: That's amazing. Well, thank you so much for coming on the show today. This has been amazing.
1: You're welcome.
0: And everyone out there listening, you have a great day. Thanks so much for listening. To learn more about anything we talked about today, head over to officeadhd.com. Remember to like, subscribe, and share. And have a great day. We'll see you next time.